0: Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at ThriveCosmetics.com slash Thrive. That's ThriveCosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash Thrive for 20% off your first order.
1: Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Well, wonder no more? Welcome to Table Read Podcast where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this,
2: talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine.
3: Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe and give us some love wherever it is that you're listening to this right now. This is the show where I speak to fellow actors about their journey in this crazy industry, and they share with me some fantastic stories from their past including some great audition stories. There's always a beautiful takeaway, and we always have fun. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Today on the show, we have Emmy winner Sarah Brown. You know her best from General Hospital, Days of Our Lives, Cold Case, Bold and Beautiful, a bunch of other things. She was recently in the web series Studio City, and she's currently working on some really cool, exciting stuff that I am very, very, very excited uh, to see slash hear slash you'll you'll find out more when we get to that point later on in the conversation. So here is my conversation with Sarah Brown. Welcome to the show, Miss Sarah Brown.
2: Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate you having me on.
3: I'm so excited to have you on. I'm um, my mom growing up. Well, she's still a big General Hospital fan, but growing up, I. Always saw General Hospital on the television. And so I feel like you've been a part of my life, my whole life, because I've seen you, I mean, all the time. You were a staple of the show in my childhood years.
2: Oh my goodness. That's so cute. I love it. Um, and does your mom still watch General Hospital? She does.
3: She, she still does. watches General Hospital. It's oh. that show that like my grandma watched, and it's just, I think my, right. my older sister still watches it too. It's like the, the family soap.
2: It's very generational. I think that's what keeps soap strong and thriving. To be to be sure, is that um, the matriarchs of the family generally force the children <laughs> when they're young to understand that everything else is going to shut down when the stories come on. And it's true. Um, and it's really kept them going because you have a lot of fans that, like you, grew up with their parents watching or their grandparents watching. And as I understand, General Hospital is actually the longest running and the longest yeah. taping show in um, history right now. Script Which history. is just, it's
3: wild.
2: Oh. Right. <laughs> yeah, the longest running right. it's, series. It's crazy. It's really amazing. But that's so kind of what makes soap
3: so fun though, right? Yeah, it it's is. It's like I mean, you've I mean, watched this entire family.
2: Grow up and get older and you yeah. grow up and get older with them because most shows really mm-hmm. don't do more than 6 years unless it's an animation. So, with soaps, you know, you just stay on the same channel, stay with your same characters and you literally get to watch them grow up.
3: Yeah. It's what makes them special. But I mean, you've you've been on other soap operas and you've done a lot of other TV series and films and whatnot. But what was what was your calling to to do this? Like what made you want to be an actor, because it's it's definitely a, a certain life path that not a lot of people choose. So what was it that made you want to do it?
2: That is a really good question. What um, made me want to be an actor? Huh. It's an interesting story. Um, one sec. Okay. <laughs> so I was in high school. I was in ninth grade, and I needed an elective. And Mm. the elective that I was being offered that year that I'd never been offered before, couldn't uh, take before, was actually to study acting. Mm. So that's how I really, that's how it started. Now, keep in mind, I've been an athlete my whole life and a dancer and all of those other things. So I was already interested in performing, but I was really more of an athlete Mm. um, and not a mathlete at all. (laughs) (laughs) But I think there was just this struggling artist inside of me from the time that I was a little girl and um, it didn't have an outlet, let's say, until I went into the ninth grade. My teacher for this elective, Acting 101, gave me my first scene and I went outside and memorized it with my scene partner and something really strange happened for the first time in my life. I understood that I could memorize all of the dialogue in Mm -hmm. a minute. Wow, Yes, just hearing it once. I recognized that I had some sort of a memory for this type of work that I didn't that I couldn't access for anything else except song lyrics, (laughs) which it also (laughs) works for. Um, But so I was like, Oh, this is so cool. Because going back inside after being outside learning the script, when we came back in to do the scene, I knew all the lines, I knew my lines, I knew her lines, I knew the whole script. So that allowed me to just have fun and play in a way that I think that um, a lot of actors struggle with, learning dialogue. And so mm. um, I got the bug because I was I- immediately able to let go of the of the pages and just have fun on the stage for the first time. And people wow. laughed, and they liked it. So I got the bug. And then I went to my teacher after. Yep. And her name was C. Turini. I don't remember her first name, actually, but she went by C. Um, Terini and I asked her, you know, is there any place where this is really taken seriously that I could actually study it? And she told me about the Los Angeles County high school for the performing arts, which is where my career started. I auditioned and I got in my first year and uh, the rest is history. (laughs) Just, you know, the rest is my history really, but um, (laughs) I had a great experience at the school and I, I really highly recommend it for anyone who's anywhere in the Los Angeles County area. Uh, we mm. drove in, for example, two hours each way for more than a year. <laughs> oh my lord! Well, there are people who don't live with their parents that go there because they're they're international students. People right. come from all over the world to go to the school. It's really an incredible opportunity. So, um, so I spent my high school years doing theater on the weekends for school because mm. it was a professional school, um, and we were all just really training for the next opportunity in life constantly, nonstop. Yeah. Um, Which sorry.
3: is, it's uh, it's good training for actors because, I mean, I feel like uh, a lot of people don't talk about how as actors, you need to continue your training and you need to continue, you know, some sort of exercise because it's a muscle that needs to be worked out constantly and having that training in the beginning is huge, but also continuing it so that you don't ever get stalemate in your craft.
2: Correct. Yeah. I think that that is, that's so important. That's such a good point that you brought up. Um, a lot of actors really do start out studying and training and trying Mm -hmm. and working and, um, and we're hungry. And then once you get that big role or that next big role and you, you work into a career, it's very difficult to have time to train. It's really what I think Um, I I mean, I think a lot of us that are constantly working, it's not that we don't recognize the need for it. It's more about time and making those choices. um, But also when you're constantly
3: when you're constantly working, you you're working with new actors, different actors. And that kind of becomes your training ground. It does. Because you're learning so much. I mean, you can't like work with Denzel Washington without learning something from him because he's he's an incredible actor. Most of us
2: don't get that opportunity, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, which is why class is good, because you could be around actors of that caliber that you're working mm-hmm. with, or you could be working with actors who aren't as um, studied as you are or are more new in their craft, and um, yeah. which doesn't mean that they're not going to be just as good, which is the great thing about yeah. acting. You, know, um, you can jump into it at any age, at any time. And be just as good as somebody who has studied it or trained for it for ten thousand hours. So being mm-hmm. sort of a virtuoso in acting, I think it's a little bit different. It's definitely a muscle gets better and better in terms of memorizing dialogue and learning dialogue, but you don't necessarily become a better actor just by working all the time because there is that um, trap right. that you definitely fall into, as you said. You know, you just you make your choices and your priorities in life, and when you're already working going to a class outside of work, the prioritization for that type of activity is pretty low if you have mm-hmm. a family and a million other things to do as well because okay. you're already earning a living. But if that stops for any reason, and I always recommend this, go back to class because you will mm-hmm. reinvigorate yourself undoubtedly if you trust your coach and you have a good coach. And, and that's what I've always done throughout my career. When I get sort of into a stalemate, I jump into a class. And, yeah. uh, and I let my ke- my teacher kick my butt a little bit and it, it <laughs> right back to where I, I started, you know, being hungry and wanting it.
3: Yeah. Well, and I think that's also like needed, you know, having that person who's pushing you to be better. I think we all need that at some point in our lives just to kind of wake our brains up a little bit and be like, hey, you need to focus, right. get back to, to what is driving you to do this.
2: Right, exactly. Because you do see a lot of actors who've been on a show for six or eight years that just sort of uh, seem to tune out. And I've been not guilty of it myself. When I was pregnant with my daughter, I was working so hard. And when she was born, I think it was probably two years before I could fully focus on a script Mm. in the same way. It's not that I didn't have the same um worth work ethic, it's that my drive was really more focused on the infant. You know, the baby, yeah. oh my goodness. <laughs> and and I think your brain is a little bit scattered sometimes after you have a baby for a little while. It takes a minute to get back into work mode. Um and I went right back to work. So I think that was a timing a time in my life where I recognized my work wasn't as good as it should be. And mm. I had to have a you know conversation with myself really.
3: Yeah. So let's go back. You went to to high school at this amazing performing arts high school. And then did you go to college for acting as well? Or did you kind of just jump right into the LA scene?
2: Right. So I actually graduated from two high schools, uh, two arts high schools in Los Angeles. I graduated from Hamilton Academy of Music okay. um, and the Los Angeles County High School for the Arts. Wow. And um, to be honest with you, I wasn't really interested in that point in going on to a four-year university to study the craft of acting Mm -hmm. because I felt like we really immersed ourselves for years and we didn't have weekends (laughs) as kids you know we were putting up tech for a show that was gonna it was gonna play and so I just didn't have that drive for it I felt like I got it in high school I got that kind of education. Um, yeah. A lot of my friends did go on to four-year universities like Juilliard and Yale and all of those. And I decided to enroll in community college and uh, take two years at community college. I enrolled in political science and um, and start auditioning because my mom wouldn't let me audition until I was 18. Oh, wow. Not properly. So when once I was 18 and I graduated high school, I enrolled in college on the third day of school, I believe it was. I got the lead in the show which was Antigone wow, and it was Santa Monica college. And so I put that show up for three months. And during that three month period, I booked my first television series, which was VR troopers. So I kind of um, at that point prioritized the work. The deal was my grandfather had said, if I did the, you know, community college two years and I couldn't get any jobs as an actor, I would go to school to be a lawyer because I wanted to and he was going to pay for it. And, that was his business. And so, um, you know, I got that gig and I, the rest is history. I did, I have gone back to college, um, several times in my life at UCLA and, and various other um, institutions. However, something always comes up, a job and I end up leaving <laughs> before I even finish the credits, which is unfortunate, but um, I,
3: it's so funny. I have been the exact same way. I went to Santa Monica college for like, a year and a half got a job dropped out tried to go back couldn't go back and i'm finally back in school now for right. hysterical that you say political science
2: <laughs> oh yeah and and I, I don't know you know what what possessed me at the time i mean <laughs> my background my history um my like deep seated nature um that seeks out information about human Mm -hmm. rights and really i think that that would have been my specialty i would have been a human rights lawyer or um something along the lines of social justice
3: wow that's pretty cool in
2: another life i missed my calling hey i don't know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's maybe a little bit late now to try to go back but um you never know never know
0: Or go to rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R A K U T E N. Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Boucher. And if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts.
3: Yeah. So you do you do this first show and then is it like are you having constant auditions? Are you how's the juggling process going? Are you like you're still in in the show at school, right? And then you're doing this
2: other show? No, so I left um we finished our our show at and we finished Antigone and during the time that I was doing Antigone, I was auditioning for VR Troopers. So I think mm. I had two auditions. And they, it was several months went by between the first audition for VR Troopers and actually booking the job, which wasn't until February on my 19th birthday um, uh-huh. of that year. So I guess it was 2004. And I dropped out of school, but the, but the play was done. So my commitment yeah. there was finished. And, um, and I had a really beautiful review. It was my first. I was so excited. I jumped into VR Troopers, did 92 episodes. I didn't audition for anything else during that time because there really wasn't time. Mm, yeah, it was a non-union show, and we did most of our own stunts, all of our own fight scenes, uh, with the wow. exception of really, really dangerous stunts, and and also having a stunt person. But we did uh, work g- commonly sixteen hours a day. So, Oof. and we did weekend work. Uh, we would do shows at Universal Studios, which we did, you know, one year, um, thirty thousand people showing up for the weekend. So we really weren't free to do other auditions. I also wasn't SAG at the time because it was a non-union mm. show. Um, so it wasn't until VR Troopers ended that I I gained my SAG card by doing extra work. And most new oh. actors know that. You can do three episodes of or three movies of any kind and get your SAG card. Um, so I did that. I, I did some really pretty fun ones. I did um, Reality Bites <laughs> with Ethan Hawke, who was, you know, my acting. Oh my gosh, yes. It was my first one. You know, I'm, I'm the biggest Ethan Hawke fan ever in the history of the world. And I go to apply, you know, for extra casting to get my SAG card. And they asked me if I want to do an Ethan Hawke movie, my first go around. So that was amazing. And I ended up doing two weeks on that and getting to meet Ethan oh, Hawke and sitting next to him in a bar the whole time, being featured in the movie. Um, and that was really a lot of fun. I met some great people and he was super wonderful. And um, and that was a good, good example of meeting your heroes and him turning out to be just lovely. Just a oh, great I person. love when that
3: happens. Yeah. And I mean,
2: I was 18, 19. I mean, I think I'm I'm 19. I'm not even 19 yet. I'm 18 years old. So, you know, it could have gone a lot of different ways. We were doing bar scenes and everything. Yeah. Ben Stiller was fantastic. I got to work with Ben Stiller as a director and and oh, have him actually. actually speak to me, you know, as an <laughs> It was an incredible experience that way. Um, I got to work with William Friedkin, uh, as everybody would know from The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. in a movie he did called uh blue chips with Shaq, that was really fun and so i got just really great extra work i loved it but it was strange to have been the lead of a television series and then to go on and do extra work yeah you have to just be very humble and you know you just stand around in the background there's a bunch of other people and um so that was interesting and fun and um but it must have been
3: interesting to to be able to be around such powerhouses and yep. kind of learn and just
2: watch right. and just watch and that was uh, you know It was an incredible experience for me. I could not have asked for something better. I threw my hat into the extra bin and I ended up working with two actors. I just adored as well as, um, you know, Jean Triplehorn, who was incredible and Janine Garofalo, who I also adore. And I know she's a huge hospital fan. Yeah. Um, so from there I ended up doing a couple episodes of power Rangers and then getting an, um, a movie through the company Saban up in Canada so with andrew mccarthy Mm. i I jumped on a plane i flew up there sight unseen i didn't have a look at the script before i got there and i was told the role was written for me and i got off the plane and i had no lines in the role in the movie but i was going to be in canada for about three months Mm -hmm. it was very strange uh i had no lines not one i eventually was given a line by the director but I had to stay up there for several oh months. My God. I'd never really been away from my mom, you know. So it was an interesting time. And I was playing a bank robber, but I was just part of the crew. You know, I just I just was part of the crew. I didn't mm. have any lines whatsoever. And so during that time, I got this audition for General Hospital. And because I didn't have a lot on my plate, I was mostly just sitting around. In Canada, I had all the time <laughs> in the world to focus on the audition. I think I had two weeks to work on it because I was out of the country. Wow. You know, never happens. You never get a role where you have nothing else that you're doing, that you're completely free. I was in another country. So all the distractions were kind of shut down and I had this good couple of weeks to work on the role. So, because I had to fly in for it. Uh, When I did fly in, I met with Mark Teschner and he really liked it and ran out of the office, grabbed Wendy Rich, who was our executive producer said, you need to come see this girl right now. And I almost didn't get a shot because I was out of the country and they had seen a lot of people already, but they didn't find their curls. So uh, Wendy saw me and right away they said, great, we want you to test. And so I got the oh uh, invitation to, to actually audition with Steve Burton and the five other girls that were up for the role, that were really being considered for the role. So I flew back and forth from Canada the whole time. Wow. It was very stressful. Um, and, uh, and you know, I had a good day, I have to say. That was a really one of my best auditions I've ever done. I'm not good at auditioning. I'm really mm. good at working with an actor. <laughs> so it's a very different thing for me. I'm mm. dyslexic, and, and the not being good at auditions really plays into the fact that I'm dyslexic. And I don't know how many other dyslexic mm. actors are listening, but I'm sure you can identify with the right brain, left brain function, Um I'm a super creative person. So even if I'm doing a math problem, I'm doing it from a creative side of my brain rather than the logical side. And so when I get into acting with a script, just having the page in my hand and those, those words on the page just throws my brain into school mode. And I don't, my creativity shuts down. So I really wow. have to memorize everything and be off book um, to do my best. And, act. you know, casting directors don't love that. And directors don't right. love that. They want to see the script in your hand because it makes them think that you, you're you not there yet. But there just mm-hmm. some function happens just from holding the script. It puts me into radio voice, <laughs> you know, and, uh, oh, and it's my brain. So, you know, anyway, that's how that all came about. And then the rest is history with General Hospital. I ended up staying, yeah. I think, five years and doing Carly and um, having a bang up time. And winning Um,
3: three Emmys, a lot of. I mean, I this time in my
2: life, I could not have anticipated all of that really fun stuff in my twenties. It was awesome.
3: That's so cool. What was, what what do you think has been your favorite role that you've been able to to bring to life? Not just like, you know, the the show or the film or whatever it was, but like for you personally, where you got to have the most fun creating a character.
2: One of the roles I loved the most, really, and I don't know how many people have seen this or not, because the show is not uh, around anymore, and I think it only did two seasons. It was called Hmm. L.A. Dragnet with Eva Longoria and Eddie O'Neill, and uh, Desmond Harrington, as well as a a couple of other actors, but these are people that I, I actually knew, so... Um, I loved that. That was a Dick Wolf production, and it was so cool the most challenging guest starring role that I've ever done. But guest starring role or not, it was a huge, fun, challenging, incredibly well-written character who had five different mm. colors, and every scene you saw her with a different color. And I don't mean hair, just everything about the character. <laughs> um, and she was ultimately a serial killer. So it was just, you know, and I I, just, I worked with Zachary Quinto for the first time and he actually played my victim um, <gasps> and he loses his mind and he's just fantastic. I remember seeing the episode and going, who is that? Oh, he is. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> we didn't really get to work with him. He, our characters were constantly talking about each other. He was my, <gasps> you know, my, the guy I set up basically, but he was already in prison. So my character didn't talk to him, but I just, um, you know, I got to play a dominatrix. I got to play, you name it. I played it. Just the girl next door, uh, the innocent, the murderer, the psychopath and everything in between in one episode. So that was really, really, wow. a I loved it. I, a great time I have that, got you to really find this episode. episode oh, you've got to, it's really fun. Um, and again, you know, it's Dragnet, so it's probably on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah,
3: totally. Uh, Well, on this show, we like to share um, audition stories that have gone awry or funny things have happened or um, ones that you really wanted that you didn't get. Is there an audition story that you would like to share with the listeners?
2: Yes. So I have a funny one for you. Um, So this is years ago and I was um, auditioning for a show that John Stamos was going to be playing the lead in.
1: And I had never met
2: John, but I knew my friend Ken Schreiner knew, knew John Stamos pretty well. They were good friends. And Ken and I had worked on General Hospital together. So I think I reached out to Ken at some point and said, hey, I know you know Stamos. Put in a good word for me, you know? um, <laughs> as we commonly do. And I loved this character. I loved this part. I was so ready to do this. I was so excited that the network wanted me and that the studio was offering me a test. And on the day of the you have these network tests and studio tests. So basically Mm -hmm. a network and a studio own the property and they both want you to audition for them specifically. But at that point, they usually bring in the lead actor for you to read off of and you Mm -hmm. have generally 20 people from the studio or so watching and, or 20 people from the network watching. And so it's, um, it's very nerve-wracking type of audition process. It's, if you screw it up, you're potentially not working for that network or studio ever again, or at least for a while. So it's very nerve-wracking, and it's an incredible feeling when you get that opportunity. So during pilot season, I had this opportunity with a character that it was just knock it out of the park. And, um, and of course it was raining that day as I prepared, I think I might've even had mm. my makeup artist come and do my face and everything. Cause I'm terrible at doing my own makeup. Wow. And as I left the house it was <laughs> pouring rain. So I've got the umbrella and I'm following the directions and I'm going to my place. And as I get there, you know, one thing after the other, until I finally recognize that I'm not at the right place. So I get on the phone with the agent, and I have my, I'm i talking about walking in the rain and then getting realizing that the people at the front desk didn't realize you were in the wrong place, so they've sent you on some wild goose jays through the studio, and I'm not in the right – I'm not at the right location. And uh, the studio test is now starting, oh, no. and I'm not at the right location. So I'm freaking out. All the other women are there. They start without me, and by the time I finally make it to the right location, which is the um, – ABC network uh at Disney, I think is where the test was, or no, it was at Warner Brothers. I forget now. But my agents had given me the completely wrong address. And as I got there like a soaking wet rat, just in time to watch Melissa George leave the room, who had just killed the audition. Um, and I went in and did my thing, but you know, really shaken shaken because I'm soaking wet and I mean yeah. I look not the way I did when I left the house, it was heartbreaking. And I still <laughs> had a good audition. It was still funny. It was probably a little more bitter than it should have been because I was so upset that I was soaking wet, you know? And, um, and angry, I think, uh, just about the way that, you know, things got messed up. Um, and as I left, one of the executive producers said to me, what happened? And we were all walking out. And I said, my agents gave me the address for the network, not the studio. And he looked at me and he goes, when people make mistakes like that around me, I fire them. Yep. Have a good day. And left. And I didn't fire my agents. But a couple of years later, they fired me. Uh, well, I thought that was a good story because, you know, that the business is crazy and people make mistakes and, you know, things happen. But that potentially will cost you the biggest job of your life. Yeah. And it was just a mistake that an assistant made, you know. And, uh, and, yeah. you know, and, and and loyalty in the business is, is sort of on display in, in that uh, story. And so mm. that's kind of the reason why I tell it is multifold. I thought, well, I'm not going to, you know betray the loyalty of an agency that or a, a management that's been with me all these years, even though they could just cost me potentially millions and millions of dollars worth of a job. Yeah. Uh, And possibly, you know, never, never having these executive producers ever want to see me again. Um, But they'll turn around and do it to you. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. if you don't show up or you show up late or something else. Um, So yeah, it's a really, it's, it's tough. It's tough enough to get to that point, and it's tough enough to do well in the audition without having all of the other minutiae that can go wrong. Your car can break down, or the agent gives you the wrong address. So now I just recommend to young actors, always double-check. If it's something that important, just double and triple-check. Get them on the phone before and make sure you're going to the right place because there's no no place for that kind of (laughs) mistake, and ultimately, it reflects on you. Yeah, it does. Oh, my gosh.
3: That's... (laughs) So that was terrifying. That is like my worst nightmare.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And Melissa George got the part uh, with Stamos and I forgot what the show was called. It was not, it was short lived, but it was, it did make it Mm. to to air and it was a really good show. It was cute.
3: Wow. That, um, yeah, that would, I'm, I'm shocked that you didn't fire them. Like I, I think Mm. I would have been so angry that you, I I wouldn't have been able to hold it in.
2: It's just, you know, it's a mistake and it's the assistant yeah. who made the mistake, not the management. Which is so rough how do you too. Them, you know, how do you really hold somebody responsible for that? Yeah. Um, how about uh, Pushing Daisies, which was an incredible show with Kirsten Chenoweth or yeah. Kirsten Um, I didn't get it. I mean, I didn't get it when I read it. Yeah. I get it. I was like, I'm sorry, the pie maker is going to the fair? It ends up being yeah. one of my favorite shows of all time. It was a great show. I loved that show. But when I read the script, I just didn't understand the voice of the Mm. show or the tone at all. And and so that was another funny one. I watched the show and I thought, oh, my God, did I really just pass that? (laughs) What is wrong with me? But, you know, sometimes that's better, too. If you don't know what you're doing, don't pretend that you do necessarily. (laughs) True. You know, maybe do more research or find out who the creator is and what his style Mm. is. And that probably would have helped. Um, but yeah I passed because I just didn't get it <laughs> Felt really
3: stupid. oh my gosh well that was a fantastic story and um, I'm very happy that you shared it with me and hopefully the actors listening to this have learned a lesson <laughs> mm. or two um, mm. thank you so much for coming on the show it's been a fantastic time talking to you where can people follow you on social media to keep up with all of your
2: projects Certainly. So, um, my, my latest project actually is directing. Yay. And, um, I am directing 12, I'm sorry, 10 episodes of an audio only drama. Nice. And, uh, we're in casting right now. And so if you want to audition for this, even, um, we haven't hit the breakdowns or I think our, our project is going to be launching all of the roles on breakdowns today. Wow. So I don't know when this will air or not, but we are searching for tons of voiceover talent, uh, tons of it. And our show is kind of in line with um, Rami Malik has one called Blackout, if any yes. has seen or listened to that. So we're, good. We're sort of similar in tone and in terms of music, um, sound, you know, back to back music mm-hmm. and fun mm-hmm. and all of that. Um and I would say maybe The Handmaid's Tale, a little thrown in there. It's really, really kind of an homage to Kill Bill in a lot of ways, but there isn't any okay. action podcast quite like that. So there isn't one quite like what we're doing. I'm really excited about it. I, I hope to bring in some of the actors from General Hospital. So I've talked to a couple of people. I'll let you know more as that goes forward. But if you want yeah. to hear about it, I'm at, um, at Sarah Joy Brown on Twitter. And on Facebook and Instagram, I'm at I Sarah Joy Brown. Like iPhone, little eye.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, I can't wait to hear more about the podcast. And uh, thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure to talk to you.
2: You as well. And thank you. I really do appreciate it. And good luck with everything. I'll talk with you soon.
3: Thanks again to Sarah Brown for coming on the show and spending some time with me. I am very excited to uh, listen to this podcast that she's directing. I think it's going to be really cool and really interesting. And I just love fiction podcasts. They really do get me through my workday, so very excited for that. Tune in next week for my conversation with the fantastic Diane Brown, and until then, make sure you're following us on social media. Those links are in the show notes. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your stuffed animal about the show, and as always, thanks for coming in.
1: Hello friends, this is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season 1 was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to Season 1, we are thrilled to announce the launch of Season 2. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises is coming the force will definitely be with you so stay tuned stay engaged and most importantly stay excited from all of us at the table read podcast thank you and let's make season two even more memorable together